Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Art of Money podcast, where I share honest conversations about how money influences our personal experiences, beliefs, and relationships, infusing this taboo subject with a loving dose of dark chocolate and inspiring encouragement. I am Barry Tesler, a financial therapist, author, and creator of The Art of Money, which is my flagship program, year-long money school, and global community. Integrating money healing, money practices, and money maps, The Art of Money is my holistic framework, blending therapeutic, body-based practices with the real-life tools you need to create healthy, sustainable change in your relationship with money. So you can say goodbye to that dusty old budget and hello to healing your money life. Learn more on my website, barrytesler.com. For now, grab something to sip on, get comfy, and tune in to today's episode of the Art of Money podcast. Welcome everyone to a new Art of Money community interview. I am very excited to interview Wendy Allegart today. And, you know, what do I want to say? I want to say a few things first, and then we'll welcome her and then dive into our topic. So I'll have Wendy tell her story, but Wendy has been a part of the Art of Money community for a few years, and I think took a break and then has come back. And I want to hear, you know, a little more about that. And I've watched her go from being an artist, and she still is. I don't think she'll ever let go of that part of her, a performance artist in Portland, to you know, doing the art of money work. And from my perspective, realizing that she really wanted, she wanted a foundation for her income. And she wanted basic needs all met and to get beyond that. And she started working for insurance companies for steady income. And it was fascinating for me to see, you know, we all come from different backgrounds, have different journeys and paths. And here she was in the insurance industry, navigating her way um, over the years. And then last year during the pandemic, um, I learned that she started her own insurance business focusing on Medicaid, Medicare. I, I you know, Medicare. Yeah. Medicare. Thank you. That's right. And um, there's so much I don't know about this world. So I'm so excited about this interview, both to hear more. Welcome, Wendy. You know, I'm talking oh, about you. <laughs> oh, I'm so, I'm thrilled. I'm just thrilled. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me. And I really look forward to this interview too. I think your, your, your work is so, has had such an impact on me. Um, and so I'm delighted to, you know, be able to share with your community what I know about a certain piece of the pie um, related to money and well-being. So um, it's really awesome. Yeah. Wonderful. So let's first just begin with a little bit of your art of money journey. Yeah. Uh, just a little bit of the arc. You know, what was I can remember you so well from the beginning, how many years you've been in, the work you've been doing. Share more about that story. And then we'll yeah. dive into um, your insurance work. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, actually, I was going through some correspondence emails uh, and, and realized I had corresponded with a friend back in like 2015 
about the art of money or 2016 or something. It was crazy. And I was like, wow. Um, so yeah, I found you um, in Portland. So a little bit about me. I come from Scarsdale, New York. I grew up in affluent neighborhood and went to Barnard College and, you know, well-educated. My parents were both, you know, my mother was in education. She's a teacher. My father was his own, had his own law firm. Um, you know, successful quote unquote family, right? And we learned nothing about income or money from the point of view of an upbringing. And when I found you, I had moved from New York in my 40s and I have been a performer. I was an actor for 20 years and that meant, you know, supplementing my income through law firm jobs and kind of scrappy, live as you can, uh, pursuing a dream. And I did that for a long time. I became a very good actor, um, but I never really focused on money myself. Um, got into credit card debt when I was in my 20s, a significant credit card debt for me. It was about $20,000. Um, paid it off, you know, d did all sorts of things. I got into 12-step reco recovery. I started going to DA. I learned a lot about money from them, uh, from that program, but I still, you know, money was not a conversation I was having with myself. And then I discovered your year-long course and that just clicked. Uh, the way you start with somatic learning, um, how you build the recovery, how you talk about money. And I just think your resources are extraordinary. I, I find your story, your story spoke to me, you know, when you share about being a graduate student, you know, finishing a expensive graduate program and your student debt came in and I never went to grad school, but I just appreciated the wake up, right? Like, how am I gonna survive? And I had a big wake up when I came out to Portland because I was no longer acting in the same way that I had been in New York. I, it's a smaller city and all of a sudden it was not so easy to find a job. And that was a huge wake up call. Um, and that really scared me because in New York, whatever you need, you can find it basically, you know, might not be exactly what you want, but it's available, right? The resources are um, extraordinary. And in Portland, that wasn't the case. And so all of a sudden I was like, wow, I, I had assumed I could land a $50,000 a year job. I just made that assumption and I couldn't. And so long story longer, I eventually got my license. I found out about a, a call center. They were hiring people at $10 an hour and they would train you and pay for your licensing. It costs money to get your license. Um, so I decided out of necessity that I needed to learn how to do that. Plus it was focusing on Medicare. Um, the job itself was they were gonna train people to talk about Medicare coverage. And I realized I knew nothing about Medicare and I was realized I wanted to know about it. So it was sort of a double win. I'd get a job and I'd also learn about something that I, I thought was important to know about. And, um, it's a, in often the case in sales jobs, they'll give you a base pay, but then you get money on commissions. And so I also found out that I was good on the phone. It was a call center. I was talking to people nationwide um, and I started working there. And that's when I, I, I started Art of Money because it's nerve wracking when you're in sales. One month you're making good money, another month you're not making such great money. It can fluctuate and I was not at peace with that dynamic. Um, and I started just really diving deep into my emotional connection to money, which I think is the root of everything, um, is how I 
It doesn't mean that my money has drastically changed, but my insides have changed around it. My relationship to it is different um, and certainly aging. <laughs> Like, you know, I think at 55, um, you have a, I just have a different understanding of needs and that we are in a linear world um, and I'm aging. And what is life going to look like when I'm 75, if I keep going in this direction? Um, what am I going to look like at 60? You know, what, um, so I started taking your course and I just stayed in it because I love the community. And then I, I left, uh, things were pretty rock and roll. I mean, I will say that out in Portland, I got in a call center. I didn't really like the call center culture. I left the call center culture and I started getting into other sales verticals. Um, I was selling tech for a while. Um, and I still just, I always kept my health insurance license because in the back of my head, I found talking to people about Medicare one of the most satisfying things that I had done in a long time. Mm. It's it's educational. Um, I consider myself a resource center. Not, I mean, I make a living by helping people get through the enrollment process, and then I become a customized agent for you. But I make I talk to people all day long who don't necessarily use that piece. They just need help finding out where they need to go, um, and I just it's a big topic and it's an important topic. So I kept my license and I sold a few policies, but I never, I wasn't doing it full time. And then when COVID hit last summer, I got laid off from a job and we all know what last year was like. And I thought, well, what do I do? I'm on unemployment. I'm not gonna find a job anytime soon, probably. Um, and I just decided to pivot. And I, within a month, I had put up my website, I started networking, um, did the yearly trainings that are required by insurance companies, um, and I hung out my shingle, and that's when I rejoined Art of Money, because I thought, okay, <laughs> now I'm in a different world, now I'm a business owner, I really need to, you know, check in with Barry and have the systemic support that I believe your company, your your program offers. And um, I have uh, Art of Money Buddies. I talk to two women weekly, uh, just as a you know lifestyle check-in. And then I'm also on a monthly Art of Money uh, business owner uh, call. Um, and so we all share your vocabulary. We talk about money related to our businesses or related just to our lives. And um, it's radical. You know, it's radical to just have simple conversations or check-ins about money. So I'm incredibly grateful. I love hearing every single piece of this. Yeah, so, it's been yeah. Go ahead. amazing. And it's a journey, which I think is something you're so consistently will say, you know. And for me, the therapeutic aspect of a slow of a slow transformation rather than, I mean, I actually will share part of my money story is I did get a huge windfall when I was 40 years old. My beloved aunt passed away um, and I inherited $180,000. Um, and I did not save it. Um, I live, I, it was a long story, but the grief of losing my aunt was ferocious. And so I took a break. I basically took a few years off and didn't work. I went to Alexander Training School. Um, so kind of like your story of being a therapist, I was going to be an Alexander teacher, um, which is also somatic learning. And I started teaching and I was like, oh, okay, I can't. <laughs> I 
not gonna, I'm not going to be able to make a living doing this. I love teaching and I still teach, but I didn't want it to be my primary income. You know, I knew it was going to not work out. You know, I, I was sort of going from an one, one low income threshold to another low income threshold. So um, I made a big leap and, you know, insurance can be lucrative. So that's kind of where I am today. Yeah. And that's another important piece of your story is yeah. that you did get this windfall and, yep. you know, people may say, oh my God, that was so much money. You could have easily have lived on that. And, but what we don't realize is, you know, how that is going to affect us. And it sounds like you're extremely close with this aunt. And as you said, there was an enormous grief experience and journey. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and yeah, I mean, when you lose, you know, the, the, it was, she was a second mom. She's my mom's older sister. Her name was Virginia. And, um, and, and it's a big piece of my story because my family, uh, was quite heat still is. Some of my siblings are still heated about the fact that I didn't, you know, I have another sibling. We inherited about the same amount of money and he has a portfolio of about two and a half million dollars now, you know, so it's a big piece. <laughs> it's definitely a big piece. Um, and I also know that my life is my life and I needed to take care of myself and I did. Um, so. Right. And everyone's going to handle that in a different way, right? He took it and like just moved forward and put it in investments and, to, you know, yep. continued on his way. And for you, um, similar to me, but I was, you know, in my 20s, I didn't get a windfall. But, I, you know, I, if I hadn't gone to therapy during that time, I wouldn't and trained as a therapist. I w who knows if I would have made it through that time. I feel like that saved me. You know, I needed... Right. Yep. That training, right? Um, and I also, you know, lost a lot of people in my 20s. So I was going through huge grief, you know. That's possibly, right. right. Yes, you've shared about that. Yeah. So that's a that's a whole other part. I've, I've done some interviews about grief and transitions and money and windfalls and all that. That's all connected. Um, I, I didn't know this about your story. Um, but I do want to, I want to bookmark it. Yeah. And just take a, you know, a moment to take a deeper breath here because there's so much there that we won't be covering today, but, yeah. you know, is, 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 I want to hear more, you know. Yeah, yeah. That. Um, so how do I segue? I mean, so that to honor all of that, um, yeah. and who, you know, um, and then also to segue into Ooh, I'm going to take, I keep needing to take a moment here. To segue into, you know, that you did find yourself deeper into recovery work and these body centered practices and trainings. And, um, and then you found your way into, you know, the insurance world and selling insurance. And, you know, I, I and you're, you're similar to me as I have other interviews I've done where I've interviewed student loan experts or, you know, um, uh, uh, credit card experts or tax experts. And, yep. you know, the only reason I'm interviewing you is because um, you, you have found your way to this very specialized field that's connected with our relationship to money and because of who you are and because of, you know, all the other work that you've done in your life and how sensitive you are. Um, to everything and that, you know, this is a combination of so many different skill sets. Um, 
And I love that. So, so that leads us to, you know, you finding your way um, into insurance and, you know, do we want to just start out by agreeing, you know, in the U S I personally think we need to, to have universal health care. I, you yes. know, I, I, okay. So I don't know, you know, and then we'll go into, we don't have that yet. Um, right. You know, as a baseline, That's and, right. you know, and then, you know, when people are, you know, finding themselves needing to make health insurance decisions in the middle of a health crisis or in the middle of, you know, um, a good good moments, you know, um, around health. You know, how do we find ourselves? How do I find our way to someone like you who's going to be able to share like all the literal practical options of what's out there and what's yep. available? Plus, you know, all this deep behind support that I've heard you talk about. You know, you you are doing um, not therapy, but you you are doing a version of therapy coaching. Yep. Um, providing resources. So tell me a little bit more about that and then we'll get into nitty gritty stuff. Like just tell sure. me. Sure. About like how I help people, like just the resource piece or like, you or know, how. Tell me a little bit about just um, how you work with people and then we'll get sure. into nitty gritty. Yeah. 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 So that's a great question. And I'll just on that topic, you know, one of the things that was really hard for me is I knew Medicare, I knew I really liked talking to people about Medicare. They're so grateful. We, so just also just, I think it might be helpful just to say like what Medicare is, right? So when we go on to Medicare, um, Medicare is a federal government insurance policy. And it was created in the Johnson administration. It's part of the Great Society. So it goes back to 1965. And it's specifically designed for people who are 65 and older. Or if you're younger than 65, it's because you've been on Social Security disability for over two years. Okay. okay? So it's a specific population that qualifies. Um, and... I liked that because when you're in your 60s and your 70s, or if you're on social security disability, you have an issue, right? You have medical needs. And so um, in a call center, you can find people calling, but they're not really very savvy about what they're calling about, or they don't really need insurance. So it's all kind of theoretical. And uh, we'll get into this a little bit more in the conversation. But when things are theoretical and you're talking about, well, there's a cost to it, people can get resentful you know, because they don't understand the importance of it. But in the world of Medicare, usually people understand the relevance of it to their life, right? Why is it happening? Um, and the way I work with people and why I'm happy to be working for myself is that um, I'm yours for as long as you have an insurance policy that I helped you with. So people have sort of an understanding that a broker basically you know, signs you up for insurance, and then you have a membership call number at the back of your insurance card. But really what happens is you always have my cell phone number. So for example, today I have a call this afternoon with a gentleman I've helped who had a dental issue and the dental coverage denied the claim. So we're gonna call member services together. Um, it And my support system, so when you're an agent, you are an independent broker, but you are paired with management at the insurance company. So I have a lot of support as an individual 
broker. I talk to management at insurance companies and they steer me in the right direction. I can escalate tickets. So rather than someone having to call 1-800-UNITED or 1-800-ETNA and get someone they'll never talk to you again, and that is basically corporate policy, you'll speak to Jane at Humana, but you'll never talk to Jane again. Or you talk to me, Wendy Allegard, you have my cell phone number and I'm your agent. I look into the issues for you and save people enormous amounts of time. Um, and you kind of get a priority, quite frankly, if you have an individual broker, the local management team knows I'm selling for them and they know that my clients are my top priority. I'm not saying that they favor them, that wouldn't really be accurate. Of course, an insurance company is gonna help any member, but you do get customized treatment if you have a broker on hand. Certainly the way I work with people, I helped people get their vaccination shots. I help people make sure they know they have access to doctors. I make sure people know about ancillary benefits. Did you use your over-the-counter benefit this month? That's $50 that you can spend. Have you registered for that? You know, I really hold people's hand and make sure they're accessing their care. You're an advocate. You know? I'm an advocate. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. I am here to support you throughout the process all year long and you know some people take more advantage of that than others not every single person needs that sort of attention um, but that is part of the job and I love that part of the job I mean that's very important to me tell us a few more scenarios you know of, of some of the folks that you were sure. the kind of conversations you have yeah well I had one woman who uh, a couple, they relocated from Colorado, actually, to Portland, um, and they had an incident where she had been on an expensive medication in Colorado, and she was having trouble accessing the medication. I'll, I'll just be candid. She's on an opioid, right? So she's been on a drug that is pain medication, and she's been on that drug for 10 years. And as we all know, there's been an issue in this country with you know, unnecessary, I mean, there's now an opioid addiction and often with the elderly um, and it's a problem. And so it can be difficult to get the services that you hope to get. And um, so they were struggling um, and they called me and I said, well, let's put you into an escalation system um, and put you in touch with the company uh, has a navigation system so that's on top of so we enrolled them but she couldn't access her medications and i basically steered them to uh, a niche part but you're not going to know about the navigation team necessarily with an insurance company you're not going to know how to access that um, just because it's you got to go look through your paperwork and you got to call member services um, and maybe someone at member services doesn't know it exists. I mean, that's the other thing. When you call a company, you're talking to somebody who's making $10 an hour, who maybe just got off their training. They're brand new to the company. They may not know certain things. Um, I've had that happen where I'll, I'll have to tell a person at member services what the system is about because I know more than they do, um, unfortunately. So I will basically get the resources and we got them to a navigation team and she accessed her medications, you know, within a, a few weeks. So I basically helped her get the resources she needed. So she said, I, I can't seem to get the hospital. I can't get the paperwork that they're asking for. So the navigator at the company reached out to the hospital and got the paperwork, right? So 
I'll get them to the right people to talk about the right things. Um, I had another situation where I had a couple, this is a fun story, um, so because it worked out so well. So I have uh, my boyfriend's best friend called me one day and he said, I think I need you to talk to my parents because they are just under original Medicare, which is a problem. And we can dive into a little bit about it. It's quite risky just to be under uh, what's called original Medicare. Uh, there's no out-of-pocket uh, ceiling. Um, are you familiar with the phrase? Do you know what I mean by that? No, and you just cut out for one second. So please say that again. You said your friends, um, your boyfriend's best friend called and said, I think you need to talk with my parents because yeah. they're on original Medicare. That's right. So when, and what original Medicare, so here's what uh, I do. And it, there's, I'll kind of just walk you through this. So when we turn 65, we apply through social security before Medicare. Okay. Um, and it's an application to the government. Social Security dispenses the card and you'll get an insurance card. And it's going to say Part A, which is hospitalization, and it's going to say Part B for medical costs. That's what the card does. And it's an 80-20 split. So the insurance card will pay 80% of your bill and you, the consumer, will pay 20% of your bill. Well, if you're on that card, you have to realize 20% of a major medical episode could be $30,000. Right. Do you follow? Yes. There, there's no ceiling on original Medicare. It's 20% of whatever the bill is. Do you okay. follow? Yeah. So I know people, I have, spoke, I have spoken with people who were just under original Medicare, never got additional insurance, which is what I help with, right? I help with the private piece. Okay. They never did that. And they had a heart attack. Well, 20% of a heart attack is about, a, it's about $30,000, right? So that's a rude awakening that nobody wants to sit there dealing with after the fact, right? Um, and there are other consequences. Sometimes people don't realize or they don't care about the fact that original Medicare, that A and B card, does not cover prescriptions. So a lot of people say, I don't take prescriptions. I don't need prescriptions. Well, the government penalizes you for not setting up your Medicare insurance without drugs. They, there's, a, there's a penalty for that. And obviously, I don't want to see people unnecessarily penalized by the government, but people do get penalized. Um, there's a, and it's a kind of a nasty penalty. It, once you're penalized, it stays on your monthly premium forever. It doesn't, it's not a one-time penalty. It's sort of an ongoing additional cost. So that becomes something that I talk, I hopefully talk to people about all of this before they're on Medicare, right? Before yeah. you're going to Medicare, I tell people set up a consultation at least three months before your 65th birthday or three months prior to retiring, right? Give yourself a little running start. So with this couple, they were in their 80s, they are in their 80s, and I talked to them on the phone and they both basically said, oh, no, no, no. We were on private insurance, which is called a Medicare Advantage plan. Uh, we did that, Wendy, but we didn't like the costs and we don't need it. 
Well, I basically wrestled them to the ground. <laughs> basically, I said, you know, I appreciate that you're irritated with the extra charges. They are people who had not signed up uh, on time. And so there was a penalty for prescriptions and that irritated them and yada, yada. But they, I said, you're really cutting your nose off despite your face to be perfectly candid with you. And your husband, uh, the husband of this couple has a heart issue. And I said, well, do you realize that if he has, and they had a discount card for prescriptions, so it had nothing to do with their Medicare coverage. They basically went to GoodRx, which is a free discount card. Um, anybody can sign up for that. And he had generic medication, so it wasn't a problem. You know, he was using that card for medication concerns. And I said, listen, I, I love GoodRx. I tell people to have it in your wallet all the time, but GoodRx will not help you if your husband gets prescribed a significant, let's say his heart situation changes and they bump it up to Cialis, which is a $500 monthly medication, okay? Your good RX card is not gonna cover any of that. An insurance card will give you a reasonable copay of about $45 for that kind of medication. That's why we have insurance, right? And they listen to me, fortunately, and I don't, consider myself psychic all the time, but I did end up being a bit psychic because that's exactly what happened to him. So I put him on a private insurance plan during open enrollment. And in February, he was actually put on a heart medication that had he not gotten the policy would have cost him about $600 a month. And instead it was costing them $45. Well, you're, it's not that you're psychic. It's that you are hearing these yeah. stories day in and day out. Yeah. And, you know, as we age, health issues happen to uh, all of us, you know. Right. That's so, right, on a dime. You know, yeah. and exactly. Or, you know, um, and so you're, you know, you're seeing patterns, you're seeing what's going on, right? Yeah. Um, tell me, like, you're hearing so many different stories. So, I mean, it's, an incredibly complicated system. Like for someone like me, right. I'm like, oh my God, thank God there's someone like you, you know, similar to the credit card stuff and the student right. stuff. Yeah. And, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's so specialized in these areas. There's so many rules and guidelines and they change all the time. Um, before we go into the changes that have come with Biden right now yeah. as our president, which we're going to get to, just share a little bit more like, what are you learning about health? And um, humans and money yeah yeah, yeah that, that's a great question so and, and it definitely influenced me right i mean part of the and i'm sure you have similar stories it's like when you start to talk to people um and when i when i had my first job i worked for a big national call center and all day long i was talking to people about health and money and it was the first year of the affordable care act so it was to that that they the, the the marketplace opened in 2014, right? So, um, but what's really interesting is number one, I would often talk to people, even with full-time jobs, sometimes people just had no idea what they could afford um, for insurance. They just had no concept of what would it be to add this amount to a budget, right? Or I would say, what are you making? and people had worked for themselves for, you know, and they weren't 
they weren't in their first year of working for themselves, right? They were experienced business owners and they would just say, I have no idea. Mm. Um, now, part of that might have been the way their income came, but a lot of it was just sheer, I haven't talked about this or looked at this. I don't like looking at it. Um, people have no idea what is a real expectation of a health insurance issue, right? Of, of a health issue. Uh, the, there was no relationship to cost. Uh, so, and there would also be, and this still happens there, and this kind of goes back to your point about, you know, we don't live in a society that has nationalized coverage. One of my sister-in-laws, my, my, one of my brothers, my brother's wife, um, she passed away last year uh, and she was French. And so she was in France when she got sick and she was treated in France and the whole thing was covered by the French government, top, top to bottom. Um, in fact, she was in Corsica and they flew her and a companion to Marseille for treatment. I mean, we're talking, you know, an extraordinary healthcare system that we do not have. We, we are expected to talk to private insurance companies. And uh, people are uh, remarkably foolish about the idea that I was actually just listening to your podcast. You had an entrepreneur interview uh, with a therapist, and I was listening to that where you said, you know, I just assume it's going to all work out. You know, there's sort of a, well, this is all going to be okay. You know, uh, someone else is going to deal with this kind of attitude. And that's a great misunderstanding of billing and health and having insurance, not having insurance, who's going to handle it, um, the relationship to your assets and um, health costs. Um, it's all a big stew. Um, and pe most people don't want to talk about health um, in the same way that, that they don't really want to talk about money. <laughs> I think, you know, there's kind of like, if I talk about it, I'm going to get sick sort of thing, you well, know. Well, we don't want to think about, it's hard for many folks in the U.S. to think about the future, plan for the future, imagine the future. That's one of our things. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we having all these taboo topics upon yeah. topics. So you're hearing, you know, some of the most intimate details um, even though you're, I mean, you're, you're focused on resources and you get people through this complicated system, but people are sharing really personal, intimate health oh. stuff with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, sometimes I would be on a call and especially in the world of Medicare, if you're talking to two people in their 80s and you go, I go through what medications they're taking and I get them a price check, right? I search the formulary and I make sure they know to the dollar how, and how much is this insurance company going to charge you um, in picking up the medications? And sometimes you're talking to a household and they're each taking eight medications. Um, and so it's an incredibly vulnerable conversation just hearing how people are doing. I had one lady call me. It was one of my very first phone calls. She had left her job because she'd gotten sick. She had been on COBRA, which is an extension of her group coverage benefit. And she called me and she said, I'm in Texas. I am having a lung transplant. Um, I still get emotional. Um, she needed her surgical team to be included on her new policy. Her COBRA was running out um, and she needed to go to a 
what people refer to as Obamacare, and we can talk about what that term means, but basically to an individual insurance plan, um, and none of her doctors were accepting any of them. Mm. Uh, and ultimately, I think she was able to negotiate with COBRA uh, to have the surgery. They extended her COBRA um, so she could have her surgical team. But I've had, you're kind of in triage, you know, sometimes you're talking to people about just heart-wrenching um, medical issues. Uh, and sometimes people are, you know, healthy and fine and they just want to protect themselves in case. But you're, I definitely have run the gamut of, um, you know, how people are doing, where they're living, um, how to access, how to access care. Do you feel comfortable having all of those conversations and going there because of the somatic work, the recovery work? I mean, I'm, I'm asking you kind of an obvious question, but I can't want to hear a little bit more. Like, do you yeah. feel like all of those things gave you the, well, they, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, uh, it's one of the reasons why I left being in a call center, because to be honest with you, I was having um, uh, stress symptoms um, myself, <laughs> because it was so, you know, it can get very stressful, certainly during an enrollment period, because the phone is ringing nonstop. And you're, you're just kind of churning out, you know, uh, having conversations. Um, it, it can be very difficult. So um, definitely learning self care, learning boundaries, um, having my own autonomy helps, uh, because I'm a little clearer. I can take more time with people. Yeah. You know, I'm not getting, I always tell people, you know, put your high school graduate kid, if they don't know what to do for a year, put them in a call center where they're talking to the people about health and money. You know, that's an education um, to, uh, to, to, for, the, for a lifetime. Um, but definitely being able to slow down calls and really take my time has helped. Um, so that I can give people the care that they need. Um, I'm not saturated uh, because I was burnt out. I left a call center because I was so burnt out by the phone calls. Right. It was stressing you out. It was raising your stress levels, you know. Yeah. I mean, if you're empathic, you know, if you're remote, and I, like I share that with you, I'm extremely empathic and there's only so much an agent can do, obviously. I don't, I'm not a doctor. I'm not the insurance company. I represent the insurance company. Um, but it's hard. It's hard when, I mean, this claim was denied. Now, um, it's not a huge, it's not a huge bill. You know, we're talking about the insurance company. Are they going to cough up the $700 that he was thinking they were going to pay on an $1,800 bill or not? You know, and we're going to find out more information about that. So that's not, he, you know, that's kind of a, but it's hard. It's, it's not pleasant and you have to be a balancing act between the insurance carrier and a client who's upset. Um, and you have to be even keeled and grounded and also be helpful, you know, um, and realistic, right? I mean, we are in a world that's about profit. This is about insurance companies are for profit 90% of the time. And so do you find, you know, you, you reach dead ends and then that's just the reality of that or? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, sometimes what I'll say, and, and this happens, this actually just happened last week um, with someone about medication issues and accessing medications. Um, and hopefully 
people have a sense of the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. And I really lead on the, when I'm meeting somebody and depending on what their attitude is, you know, everybody has a certain flavor. Some people are very resentful that they have to have insurance. They just are. Mm -hmm. They don't, you know, I will have conversations with people who say, I never use Western medicine. Mm -hmm. And I, I've learned to temper myself. I don't say this all the time, but at some point I will say, you don't use Western medicine yet, <laughs> right? Because you don't know what you're going to do if you find out you have a brain tumor. Are you going to have that operation? Probably. I would hope so, right? If they can save your life, not you, but you know, one. Um, there are certain things you've not been in a car accident or you haven't had a massive heart attack, right? Um, there are certain areas of life that, and wonderful, you're in great health, you have an acupuncturist, or I'm a fan of that as well. I go to naturopathy before I'm going to go see a primary care doctor, right? Um, but if I get a, my, uh, a, I had a, a relative who had a blood infection at the age of 64, it was on his 64th birthday, never had a health problem ever, um, incredibly athletic a vigorous, you know, guy. Um, he had a blood infection and the antibiotic didn't work. And all of a sudden he had three life-saving surgeries within three weeks. Um, and they put a metal plate in his spine. And, you know, I mean, it was just ridiculous, right? I mean, it happened out of nowhere. Um, so I do tell people, look, it, and he paid a modest amount of money on all of that because he had a very good insurance policy on himself. It was probably about a $400,000 bill and he probably paid about, you know, 800 bucks when all things were settled, right? So you have to tread really lightly because, you know, if you're someone who's just like, I live a healthy lifestyle, I eat well, you know, I'm vegan or, you know, um, my sister, my dear sister said that recently, like I'm vegan, nothing's going to happen. I was like, love, like that's, you know. People still I hope not. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We yeah. just have cancer, but where we have to tread lightly, if we're still in that place of like, if I do all the right things, nothing is going to happen. Like, that's not life. That's not real life. But it's really hard for us to think, you know, beyond that. You know, I didn't use Western medicine until I had an enormous complication, you know, in my birth right before my 40th birthday. And that's right. Yeah. I mean, placenta um, decided to abrupt. And, you know, thank God. I got it to the hospital and I was so grateful, <laughs> you know, I was, yeah, I was so right. grateful for all the nurses and doctors, you yeah. know, and that saved me and my son and my, and my son and me, you know, and so, and then I, you know, now I'm like, oh, you just never know. You don't, we, we don't know. Right. right. We don't, we don't get to know. And that's an incredibly vulnerable conversation. Right. And, and I do tread lightly. I yeah. don't, I don't want to interrupt somebody who's, it's not my business to interrupt your pattern in a rude way, right? Because that philosophy probably keeps us healthy as well, right? Like I'm healthy, I'm good, you know, but there is, we are mortal. Um, we are made up of cells that can turn nasty. Um, there are, and now we have this thing called COVID, right? We have a major, and I have, you know, so I, I was selling insurance for a while and then just really quickly, I went into debt consolidation. I, I think that was around the time that I wasn't working with you, but I was in a debt consolidation call center and I, I would pull up people's credit reports and um, 
I remember there was a man who called, he was 63, and I opened up his credit report and he had about $250,000 of medical debt. And I immediately said, what happened? Did you, ha did you get sick without insurance? And he said, how did you know that? <laughs> I said, I'm an insurance agent. Yeah. And I said, you must have had a major catastrophe and you didn't have insurance on you. And he said, I didn't just have one, I had two. He said, I had a massive heart attack and then I was diagnosed with cancer two months later. And the marketplace was closed. He couldn't get insurance. Um, he's lucky he's alive, quite frankly. Um, but he basically, and, and medical debt doesn't settle. It doesn't go into bankruptcy. Um, it, it, it's a complicated debt. So, um, you know, I caution people to be cavalier about, you know, these things are going to get covered. Uh, maybe yes, maybe no. It depends on so, so many things. Um, you know, to, it, it, it's a, a big conversation. Yes. So where do we want to go? You know, do you want to talk about what's changed with Biden and also enrollment? Because I know we're right there. And yeah. or we also want to talk about the different insurances or should we really just focus on Medicare? Um, or do you feel it's important to talk about, you know, Obamacare? So, so tell me where you want to go. Yeah, let's let's show a little bit about Medicare and then go into Obamacare. That would be great. Um, is there okay. they're related? Okay. Um, so, um, in fact, yeah, yeah, that would be great for me. Okay, so um, what should I talk about in terms of Medicare? Should I talk about enrollment periods with Medicare or how yeah. people get signed up? Okay. Yes, yes, and also what's changed with Biden? You mentioned something to me before we started recording. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so. So in terms of Biden, so let's focus on that for a second and then we'll circle back around to Medicare. Um, so with Biden, so now I'm gonna talk about Obamacare then, um, okay. and we'll talk about the administration and how they made changes. And this is good news, everybody, okay? Um, and a lot of people may not know. So I actually stopped, so just a little bit about my relationship to quote unquote Obamacare. So I was in this big call center. I. I started as a Medicare agent, and then they basically said, well, you're going to sell under 65 as well. And so I basically was thrown onto the floor of a big call center um, and basically learned about Obamacare by talking about it. Um, and it, it changed over a few years. It just got more and more expensive. People didn't qualify for, if you don't qualify for what's considered a subsidy, so just about Obamacare, it's a federal law, right? The same idea as Medicare. It's basically a law was passed under the Obama administration that said, we all have a right to get insurance that's guaranteed, right? We don't have to go through what's called underwriting. So prior to the federal law being passed, if you were under 65 years old, you had to qualify for insurance by showing your health. Yeah. right you, you had to go through an underwriting questionnaire and if you had certain conditions you were charged more if you were a diabetic you were charged more if you had blah 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 you're charged more and sometimes you would be denied issue right if you call an insurance company 15 years ago and said i've just been diagnosed with cancer i want to get a policy the insurance company had the right to turn you down so under the federal law that was removed. At the right enrollment period, you could get insurance. It would be guaranteed to you, right? And you would get the help. Now, that's the insurance policy. How much the insurance policy costs 
has to do with your income level, right? So you can get the policy, but part of the part part of the problem with the federal law was that these insurance policies, if you made good money, you're a household making $150,000 a year, you don't get any discounted monthly premium, you're expected to pay the premium. Mm -hmm. Well, those premiums started to go up, up and up, right? Over the past seven years that the that Obamacare has been in place, that's been the outrage. And I would be on the phone with people, household of four, two children, working parents, and they made good money, they didn't qualify for a subsidy. And I would say, well, the insurance policy is $1,800 a month. And the deductible is $10,000. I mean, you had to say this with a straight face. I mean, it was awful. And people were like, we pay a mortgage. We have two cars. We're, our son's going to college next year. How the hell are we supposed to afford that? So it, it got really gnarly, right? And that was part of the problem with it. The good part is if people are making low income, uh, you get a subsidy and you're in a better situation on that stuff. What's happened with Joe Biden going into office, for starters, um, I just talked to someone the other day who didn't realize this. The marketplace is open. It's actually open until August 15th right now. Okay. So he extended enrollment period through the whole year. Hmm. Um, and a lot of people just didn't know. Yeah. Um, it's it, the market. If you go to the marketplace, you can buy insurance through the federal marketplace through August 15th. And um, not only that, but now the subsidy levels have been adjusted. I just searched for myself because I was just curious to see. I'm 55 years old. Um, and I looked up, well, what if I made $90,000 this year? Would I get a subsidy? And I actually would. So the margin and the threshold of how much money you make has been vastly increased and you still qualify for subsidized health insurance and that's and that's due to joe biden so um that's extremely important because a lot of people just are going around uninsured i actually was just looking at an article at cnn um about 500,000 people have enrolled in the marketplace this year because of the extension and because of his health care initiatives so people are taking advantage of it um but that's that's huge, you okay. know, that's great. And so the, how that relates to Medicare um, really just has to do with people, you know, a lot, I talk to a lot of people when I sell Medicare and a lot of them have gone uninsured for like a year or a year and a half because they think at that point the subsidies weren't, you know, they just weren't getting, they couldn't afford the monthly premiums. They made money, they were working. Um, they didn't get group coverage, you know, there are all these different scenarios. So they just went uninsured at like, like this gentleman I described to you, you know, he was 63. Well, he had two major episodes in one year, um, but he had decided not to be insured. So I, I tell people, look at the marketplace now because you may have a happy story. You know, you'll see better, you'll see better value on the plans. Um, in terms of one of the things that Biden has done, and I'm actually a beneficiary of this, uh, he has actually, if you've lost your job due to COVID and you're on COBRA, which I am, uh, the federal government will pick up the COBRA premiums through September. 
and you have to talk to your benefits team about that. You have to talk to your COBRA benefits organization, um, but the U.S. Department of Labor is putting that through. I've been paying $650 a month for my COBRA, and I won't have to pay that for um, through uh, September. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So again, the laws are changing so fast, and so much, so many positive things are. Right. Yeah, it's wonderful. He's hit hard. Yeah, he's okay. really, you know, yeah. Okay, so do can people come to you for this, you know, to ask you questions about? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Do, you, do you want me to say my number or do you want to just put it? Well, you know, we'll add that all at the end. Don't you worry okay. about links to all of okay. that. Okay, yeah, 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 absolutely. People can are more than welcome to reach out to me. If I can't help them, I have colleagues who will, you know, I will refer them to good people to talk to. Absolutely. Beautiful. Yep. Yep. And um, an important piece about COBRA, and this relates to Medicare before we finish up, and this, this is what gets really complicated. There are a couple of things to know about Medicare and working. Okay, so a lot of people continue to work at a job past the age of 65, mm -hmm. and they can delay Medicare. You're not if you're not collecting Social Security, and again, people can come just talk to me. I guess the simple thing to say is, if you're someone who's continued to work, and you have a job, and you get your insurance through your job, and you're over 65, you're absolutely allowed to do that in terms of Medicare rules and regulations. Uh, what you don't want to do is look at COBRA and not join Medicare. So just know when you're working, at a certain point you have to deal with Medicare because you're going to stop working. It's advised to talk to, you know, you can call me, but just general good rule of thumb is give yourself at least three months prior to going on to Medicare, prior to your retirement, prior to, it's a good threshold to give yourself that time to figure out what you're going to be doing. And what about people who, you know, run their own businesses, 65 plus and want to keep going and are, you know, self-insured? Yeah, the same. I, well, if you're self-insured, that gets into an interesting conversation. So if you're a small business owner and you have employees and you have group coverage, you may be able to continue that for yourself. However, if you're an individual who works for themselves and you got your insurance through your marketplace, um, through the federal marketplace or Obamacare, they actually will send you a notification within six months of turning 65, and they'll tell you that your insurance is terminating, okay? So they will not cover you. They would expect you to go to Medicare. Okay. okay. And that's, that's an important, there are so many things about turning 65. Um, it's just important, I say, you know, within six months of turning 65, you want to know what your options are because you don't want to be on top of that and then scrambling. But um, the other piece of the puzzle has to do with like a lot of people bring their parents over from other countries. Um, you know, I just helped an Indian woman. Her son is here working for Intel. Well, he didn't realize that his mother's not going to have coverage. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, people from other countries are confused by, I mean, we're confused, but you can imagine if you're from another country, um, you don't realize what you're walking into. Um, so do your research is really the bottom line. So, you know, this is for us, you know, to think ahead, right? Where you and I are both in our 50s. Exactly. That's exactly also, right. Also, it's for our parents. My mom's just turning 75 
and she's pretty good at taking care of all of this, but I didn't know it. You know, I didn't even, now we have conversations about everything money. Um, but back yeah, you then, said that the other day. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we really do. I call her up and, um, you know, I am like, tell me about this. Tell me about the, you know, um, and she's all her files, you know, organized and I know where they are. And, you know, I know that that's unusual, but I've also asked about that too, you know, so wh wh where can I find all that? But I didn't know to ask these questions or to support her, you know, yeah. as she was getting ready to turn 65 as well. So we need to do this for um, if we're younger and have parents getting ready for this too, this is really That's important. right. And I always tell people, and this is, I do this on a regular basis with my clients. I certainly talk to people. I talk to people multiple times in the course of the year as a check-in and as a courtesy, but I tell everybody it's a good, it's a good idea to check your insurance every year. I mean, there is a reason there's an open enrollment period for people to look and see if there are any changes that need to be made. Um, and I just tell people, even if you have Medicare, you've been on Medicare, definitely talk to someone once a year, right? Make sure that you're getting the best rate for your medications. Um, make sure that you're on a policy, if you like to travel, that it's going to be valuable for you if you cross state lines. Um, those are things that are sneaky. People don't understand the dynamics. Um, and it's just good. I tell people at least do a once a year refresh. Just talk to someone once a year is this insurance still valuable for me? Can I get a better situation set up? Should I get a better situation set up? The conversations are free. Brokers don't charge money to you. Um, and it's a, just a good way to do a review and make sure your health is your health insurance is set up that's appropriate. It's the same thing with any other financial professional, right? With a financial planner, you want to check sure. in a couple of times a year to be like, is this really where I want to be investing, you know, my money? Um, yep. How is it doing? Um, you know, just, just, just having a check-in, you know, yep. how are things going? What's working? What's not working? What do I, what do I want to change? What can I change? You know, and with, um, insurance, it just sounds like things are changing so fast all the time. And there's all these great positive things that are happening this year with Biden, um, that we really want to know about. Yeah. Yeah. So, they didn't say anything in that, you know, it's just like the recovery act. It's just kind of put out there, but it was very quiet about how much that's influencing the health insurance market. If you noticed, you know what I mean? It was not broadcast on news stations. It was not in the New York time. It's been really, I mean, it's in CNN now, but, um, there's an article, but it wasn't front and center, you know, front and center was we get stimulus checks, you know, Yada, yada, but um, it's important to know they go hand in hand. And this is news to me. I thought, you know, we had to get our insurance, uh, we had to finalize our insurance by a certain date. I don't remember if it was December or January, you know, and, and now to hear that enrollment has been extended all the way through August, it's like, oh, wow, that would have been really nice. You well, know? and you can actually change if you are unhappy. Just know that even yeah. though you have it, people can make changes. You know, if you have an insurance policy and you want to change to something else, you do have the right to do that. Everybody can look. Yep. Wendy, anything else to complete? This was a fabulous. Oh, so excited to have the opportunity to talk about it and to talk about it with you. It's just awesome. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think what would the, I would just say the the most important piece would be just what we're talking about. Don't be intimidated about having the conversation. Um, we're here to help. Um, and um, I would just caution people from making assumptions related to being uninsured. 
um, that's a big piece. And I'll just maybe leave with that. It's a little bit of the, you know, poking the bear of, um, you know, I'm going to be negative about it. But, you know, if you're uninsured, you may find yourself having to wait for a major surgery because doctors will not operate on you without insurance that for a scheduled surgery. Um, it's very dangerous. And I just emphasize that, you know, we don't live in a world that's terribly forgiving um, if you're not set up appropriately with health insurance. We're just not. There's some happy stories I can share where after the fact people get on Medicaid and it gets all wiped away and it's a blessing and they're very lucky. But uh, more importantly, don't assume <laughs> that it's all going to go away. And that's a mistake um, that can be fixed, you know, that you don't have to live like that. Um, and, and there's the, a few different reasons for that, right? There's what we already talked about. Some folks are just like, oh, I, I live a healthy lifestyle. I don't need it. And I never use Western medicine. I use acupuncture and all the alternative stuff. Or there's you know, folks who are maybe related to that camp who just feel insurance is way too expensive. But what you're saying is that there's so many changes that are happening that they just may be surprised. That's um, right. And they've yeah. been able to get a policy that's a lot lower. They may qualify for a lower policy with all the changes that are happening. So just check them out, you know. Yeah, and talk to a professional about your concerns because, um, you know, I, I, I tell people this all the time, you know, people say, oh my God, okay, so the plan's $400, but it, there's an $8,000 deductible. I'm not going to pay for that. And I'll say, well, yes, there's a big McGill deductible on the plan. However, within that cost, there are negotiated discounts that happen with insurance that you're getting covered on. Typically, a bill is reduced by 23% if you have insurance versus not having insurance. And I'm just going to be really candid and I'll say, nobody needs insurance to go to a doctor for a, a nosebleed. None of us do. You can pay cash for that. What you need insurance for is those surgeries I'm talking about or a cancer diagnosis where the bill isn't going to be $8,000. It's going to be more like half a million, <laughs> right? So um, that's the reality. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Wendy, please Thank share you, that. Mary. Well, you're yeah. welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to have you as a resource. It's such a, you know, unique skill set. I mean, the, the merging of all your skill sets to be able to do this. I haven't yeah. had an insurance advocate um, that I've been able to refer to, even though I have my own that I use, you know, but yeah. not at this level and not someone who's also been through the art of money and done the work and will continue to do the work, you know. Yep. Um, so thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And please oh, tell great. folks where they can find you now. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, oh, do you want me to say? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if anybody would like to just talk, um, my name is Wendy Allegart and please call me. My cell phone is 646-696-0288. That's the easiest way. I'm always happy just to chat. That's 646-696-0288. Or you can email me and my email is wendy at oregonseniorhealthplans.com. So that's wendy at oregonseniorhealthplans.com. And you can go to that website and just schedule an appointment and we'll talk. So um, I'm easily found and I do like, you know, just have a chat, no problem. I can resource or I can help you specifically. I sell in multiple states, but, um, you know, I can just help people. That's really the bottom line. 
Wendy, thank you so much. Thanks, Barry. It was great to chat with you. I'm so delighted. So let's have a great, wonderful weekend. And thank you so much. I'll talk to you. Thank you. Okay, great. Awesome. Bye-bye. Hi again. Thank you so much for joining me today. What you heard here is a delicious sample of the loving guidance, heartful inspiration, and practical tools you'll find in my year-long money school, The Art of Money. I hope you found something here to take with you, a lesson, some inspiration, or even just a little grace for yourself and where you are in your own money journey. If you're feeling called to wade deeper here, please pack your financial goals, soul deep aspirations, and grab your favorite person. You can find out more at barrytesler.com.